Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon, or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hello, Marvel Universe, and welcome to another episode of Earth Station MCU. My name is Jennifer Hartshorn, and we have a lot of cool stuff to talk about. A lot of uh, rumors and information and whatnot about um, about Guardians of the Galaxy, and also some stuff about uh, Spider-Man, and other stuff too. So without further ado, I would like to welcome back my co-host, John Raymond. Oh, let me tell you, the framework is not the vacation I was promised. Yeah, it's it's not a magical place. <laughs> Sad, sadly, no. Indeed, indeed. So one of the things that we mentioned on our mm-hmm. last episode was we were talking about um, who has the rights to use what in which amusement park and so on and so forth. And we've gotten some pictures of the new Guardians ride that's going to be at Disneyland. Indeed. Yeah, the uh, Guardians Mission Breakout, which yeah. is taking over uh, what used to be the uh, the Tower of Terror, uh-huh. which is, personally, it's one of my favorite rides in, in, in either that or, well, especially uh, in uh, Hollywood Studios. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm, I am, honestly, there are not that many uh, rides or things at Hollywood Studios that I like. I like I like Tower of Terror, and Fantasmic is awesome, and, and usually for me, Hollywood Studios ends up being the thing I do while I'm waiting for Fantasmic to start. Yeah, and you know, it's not really a ride, but you have to go on the, the Muppet 3 or 4D experience, whatever it's called now. Yeah, I... I, I, that's cool, and you know, and Star Tours is cool, but mm-hmm. um, I just I, I'm I'm I, I don't know. Disney Studios just just doesn't completely do it for me, which I know a lot of people are like, oh, but it's so amazing, you know. It, it's just it's just partly it's your personality, I think, which which parks uh, are are your thing. I mean, yeah, it is it is one of those places. Like, I could almost go there and spend all day there more than I could in uh, the Magic Kingdom, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, and and for me, it's actually for me now. It's Animal Kingdom. I'm a big Animal Kingdom nerd, and uh, that, and of course, Epcot because, of course. Um, but anyway, anyway, um, it looks like uh, the outside is definitely significantly different. They've you know tacked a bunch of stuff onto it, and it looks it looks pretty cool, but. I don't know that the ride's actually going to be very different. I mean, there's only so many ways you can do that ride. I mean, you have to assume it's going to end up being the same kind of mechanism. But, you know, how how they manage to fit that free fall into the Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be anybody's guess at this point. At least right. until they tell us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my my assumption is, you know, because it's breakout, it's, it's, you know, they're getting out of some kind of a prison or something sort of like they were in the, in the first one. And they end up like in an elevator shaft that, that goes haywire or something like that. But, um, I'm, I'm still looking forward to, I, I mean, I, I'm never probably going to get out to the one in Florida, in, um, in California. I hope they bring it to the Florida one at some point. Um, and if they do, I would, I would love to see what they do with it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's really weird because of those agreements, but you know, they've had, 
the the thing is the the uh, Tower of Terror in in Disney's Hollywood Studios mm-hmm. in Florida is going to also become uh, this ride, and um, you know they've been able to have Doctor Strange in the park before, so it's kind right. of it's kind of you know questionable what can what cannot go in right right exactly and but the good thing is uh the characters from guardians basically hardly anyone had heard of them prior to the movie coming out so it's not like they you know had given away the rights to those or or anything so so that's cool uh another bit of news um and uh, apologies to anyone trying to uh, avoid spoilers, but and this is not, I don't believe this is confirmed, but we have heard uh, what Sylvester Stallone may be playing um, in Guardians of the Galaxy, and it is a character called Starhawk. Yes. Starhawk's an interesting character, and sometimes, uh, sometimes he's male, sometimes he's female, depending hmm. uh, on uh, a very, well... Basically, his powers are related to being able to see the future. Like, he can simultaneously exist mm-hmm. in all possible timelines, including ones where he's actually a woman. Interesting. So, um, he can, he usually is able to tell the future and tell people what's going to happen next, mm-hmm. you know, based on the likely, likelihood of uh, what he has experienced already. Uh huh. Um, and he is actually one of the original Guardians of the Galaxy back when the first comics came out. Mm-hmm. And it took place uh, in the far, far future where the Guardians are actually uh, freedom fighters against galactic oppression. Interesting. Very mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, and um, it, it sounds like uh, it, it sounds like um, he. <sighs> He he could uh, be a character that could continue on past Guardians as well. I I don't know, but um, it's he he's crossed over to hasn't he crossed over to other series before in the comics? Um, yeah. Uh, for a while, there were actually some members of the Guardians who were on the Avengers uh, from right. the original Guardians, and they were not the not the current squad. Um, and. Uh, He's also made an appearance in so of other members of the original Guardians mm-hmm. in the uh, with the current team series. Cool, mm-hmm. very cool. So yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing if if that's uh, what he ends up doing and and you know and how that goes because Sylvester Stallone is is one of those actors that I have not seen in anything since the '90s probably. Um, mm-hmm. So it will be it will be interesting to see what they uh, what they do with them. I don't know because if, if you haven't, uh, I would certainly recommend uh, watching Creed because not only do we get of yes. course him coming back as Rocky Balboa, mm-hmm. but um, Michael B. Jordan who's going to be in Black Panther, right? And Tessa Thompson who's in uh, Thor Ragnarok, right? Yep, it. yep. And and I have heard that that is an outstanding movie. So so yes, absolutely. Um, another bit of uh, possibly spoilerific, if it turns out to be true, that I would be super excited about is um, Michael Rosenberg, be- best known to most of us probably as Lex Luthor on Smallville, a.k.a. the only reason other than Chloe to watch Smallville. Um, whoa, whoa, come on. Give <laughs> Tom some credit and John Schneider and uh, yeah, yeah. I can't remember her name, who Annette O'Toole. Right, right. Okay, valid. I mean, you know, there's at least five reasons to watch this show. Yeah, well, but, six but Lex if you Luthor... count John Glover. 
and and John Glover was fantastic, but but for for me personally, Lex was why I watched that show, and I was very sad when he went away. But regardless, um, Michael Rosenberg, who is super awesome, yeah, and I, I also love him uh, from the uh, the Justice League cartoons, yes. where he is the uh, Wally West Flash. Exactly, exactly. So so he's he's a he's a super cool guy, you know, no mm-hmm. matter what. He has been cast in Guardians of the Galaxy, and personally, I, I can't believe that, that they would cast him in in a throwaway part that, that wasn't important, because the actor is so good, and he has a tremendous amount of geek cred. So uh, I like I like Michael, but I think you're giving him maybe a little too much star power here. Man, I, I don't know. I, the Rumor is that he may be playing Adam Warlock, which obviously yeah. would be a very, very key role both for this and potentially going into um, Infinity War. That would certainly be cool. Although, uh, I mean, Gunn stated you know before that the cocoon's not Warlock, and yes. he doesn't. He seems to be certainly playing down any Warlock involvement in the film. But you know, if you're going to have Aisha, who's basically the female version of Warlock, right? And then you're going to have Starhawk, who's essentially uh, Aisha's son mm-hmm. in the comics. And you know, it's like, come on, you're you're building too many connections to Warlock. Not, not to, to have, have him, him at least eventually right exactly and you know and whether you know th- there's there's still the rumor out there about um mm-hmm. uh about I'm blanking on his name Tyrion Lannister oh um Peter Dinklage thank you that Peter Dinklage is going to be Pip the Troll Every, everything is lining up so that you know there's this giant Adam Warlock shaped hole <laughs> in yep. the casting right now um, and to me, it seems like Michael Rosenberg would, would be a good fit for that. But at the same time, you know, we've had, uh, we were told Nathan Fillion was going to be in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Nah. And we get him as a voice for one of the inmates. Right, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not, um, but yeah, but, but he didn't, he also didn't do like a, an ask me anything like press conference thing about it either. And Rosenberg did, but, um, mm. and it ended up being ask me anything, but I won't actually tell you anything. Yeah. Um, ask me anything, but I, I can't say because Marvel won't let me. Exactly. The, the orbital mind lasers will, uh, will zap me if I try. Yes. To. Paul Bettany's, uh, famed, uh, Marvel assassins. Yes, the the snipers on the roof or something, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um he's going to be in it. I think he should be playing Adam Warlock. Other people may disagree, but uh but I think it would it would make sense. Um let's see other stuff. Um you you mentioned uh Aisha and uh mm-hmm. her um her relation with Adam Warlock and, and with Starhawk. Um, it looks like the way that they've set it up, it looks like she's going to have a, a fairly significant part. Where does, where does she fit into everything? Um, well, comics wise, uh, she was essentially created to be a female counterpart to Adam Warlock and mm-hmm. they were supposed to be, you know, the perfect end all of human evolution. Mm hmm. And, uh, you know, Warlock kind of realized that his creators were evil and decided, nah, this isn't for me. And so he broke away and she eventually followed, followed with him and they both became heroes in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's really, that's really most of it about her. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it visually 
she looks super cool in this. So so I'm 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 excited. I'm excited yeah, to see what I'm, they do with it. And I've been a big big fan of uh, Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth Debicki since uh, Man from Uncle. So mm-hmm. I really want. I'm really looking forward to seeing her in something else. Very cool. Very cool. All right, so we've got another movie coming out this summer, um, a few months after Guardians, which is, of course, Spider-Man. And uh, there's been some weird, like, noises coming out of Sony that, that maybe they're going to uh, not do stuff with with Marvel after the, the Spidey sequel, that they're going to make their own Spideyverse that's completely separate. They say that, but I really think that Sony is waiting right now to you know to figure see, out see, see the dollar signs. yeah see how this goes you right. know because if it's profitable for them i think they're going to stick with it and they're not going to be so inclined to really go off and do their own thing yeah i mean it's it's a license to print money at this point you know with with having the the tie-ins because i mean obviously i we we know that spider-man solo movies in the past have done extremely well um, in fact, yep. better than most of the MCU movies. But with putting Iron Man in it, there's, you know, th- that's going to bring in people that are, you know, that might not come to see Spider-Man anyway. Yep. And it seems like to to cut off their, uh, their their tie to the MCU would be not super smart. But it's it's something that they're floating, apparently. Yeah, and if you, you, if you do your own uh, Venom film, mm-hmm. how are you going to have Venom show up maybe later? Right. In an MCU movie. Right. And will that you know, be a little confusing? Exactly. So I, I, I hope that they, they think better of it, but, but I guess we will, uh, we will see. Um, we've got uh, uh, comicbook.com did a, a piece on uh, what uh, Tony Stark's role was going to be in Spider-Man Homecoming, and they're saying he's only going to be in, like, five scenes, but I guess those are the five scenes that they keep showing in the in the previews. I guess they got to be some memorable ones, because we've seen them at the Avengers compound, uh-huh. we've seen them flying together, we yep. see Tony show up on the, on the ship that Peter's saving. Right, and uh, on, on the they... bridge where they're having that... Uh, uh, you know, uh, conversation about the suit. Yes, what are you without the suit conversation, which right. I think is going to lead into uh, Peter deciding to ditch it and show Tony that he can be a hero without the suit. That that would be interesting. Um, it's it's unclear now. You know, we've we've seen pictures of him with the the homemade suit, so I don't know if it's going to be his choice or Tony's choice to uh, to ditch the the super Spidey suit. Um, but, uh, it, and, and that will, that will be, you know, e- either way that that goes, that, that would be very, you know, a very significant character, uh, ch- choice and, and evolution for the relationship between them. So, um, it will, it will definitely be interesting. There's been some, some funny memes and whatnot that have gone around. Mm-hmm. Like there's one about, um, uh, about, uh, how in civil war, uh, Tony told Cap that he didn't deserve the uh, the shield, and mm-hmm. in Spider Man, he's you know uh, calling into question whether or not uh, uh, Peter should have the suit. And it's like, dude, we invite you into our movies, and then you you want to take our stuff? That's that's BS. Yeah, so, who made you uh, so called Mister Proclaimer of who cannot be heroes and who can be? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um. 
So, and, oh, and there was there was another good one. Um, oh, uh, it was it was something. Somebody was was. In fact, this might have been Robert Downey Jr. who said this. I can't remember. Uh, somebody was was showing a a picture of um, Tony and Peter hugging in the limo. Yeah, that's another scene that we've seen. Yeah. The, them hugging in the limo and the and the whole don't do anything that that I wouldn't do conversation and you know it's there was a, a somebody made the comment oh my gosh just imagine that's probably the first time that Peter has had a hug from a father figure since Uncle Ben died and then the the next comment was yeah and Tony's only goal here is to bang Aunt May. <laughs> And, this is uh, what happens when you cast Marissa Tomei. Uh, exactly. Now she she and Robert Downey Jr. were in a movie together at one point, weren't they? Like uh, yes, a million they years were an item. I think uh, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, yeah. So that's that. I'm interested to see what their uh, what their chemistry is like. We got a little 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 peek of it with uh, with Civil War, but I'm interested mm-hmm. to see how that. Uh, how that evolves. Um, another thing that was in, um, or that is rumored to be in Spider-Man, is damage control. Can you tell us yes. about who they are in the comics? Damage control in the comics is effectively the guys who come in and do the cleanup after the big superhero battles mm-hmm. are up. Uh, they're essentially FEMA, but for the Marvel <laughs> universe. Oh, that's awesome! That's an awesome comparison. Yeah, yeah, although they are a bit more of like they're more of a private company rather than uh, like a public agency. Okay, okay, cool. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna be interested to see because Adrian Toomes, um, Michael Keaton's character that becomes a, a, a vulture, mm-hmm. um, he's uh, written up as as being uh, sort of like somebody that works for a salvage company or like the guy who owns yeah. a salvage company. So I don't know if. Um, if that's going to like maybe bring him into conflict with them and that's how he gets involved with stuff or, uh, or what? I mean, it certainly makes sense, uh, especially to explain how guy, how the, the robbers and the one trailer and the shocker mm-hmm. are able to get a hold of all that, uh, Chitauri tech. Right, right. Exactly. They yeah, kind of the... squirreled away some as they were cleaning up the site. Right. Which would, which would totally make sense. And that would be, uh, that would be, really cool i'm I'm really looking and, forward and if to... you remember i mean we did have that marvel one shot what item 42 or something yeah. where that's basically what happened was you know somebody oh managed... yeah sorry yeah, yeah somebody managed to get a hold of the uh the chitari weapon and they were using it to rob banks right right okay cool yeah i had that had completely slipped my mind very cool yeah so lots of lots of interesting stuff to look forward to with uh, with Spider-Man this summer. Um, another thing, uh, New Warriors. I had not heard yep. anything about this, and apparently that has been ordered straight to series for free form. Yes, and the uh, the New Warriors in the comics are essentially like the teenage team. They're like the Teen Titans for okay. Marvel. And uh, this one's going to be head up by Squirrel Girl. That is so is, cool. Uh, yeah, who is a character who she has the uh, kind of the physical abilities of a squirrel, but she can also speak to squirrels and call them forward, which is how <laughs> she's able to, you know, defeat major enemies like she has Doctor Doom in the comics, basically by swarming him. <laughs> Zerging him with squirrels. Oh, man, that is, yeah. that is awesome. And she's, uh, I mean, she's also been proven to be a capable hand-to-hand fighter. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's been able to kind of put Wolverine on his ass. That's impressive. Yeah. That's definitely impressive. 
Um, it sounds like that would that would be a really good fit for Freeform, and uh, and possibly a little bit more. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, Cloak and Dagger looks just a little bit, a uh, little angsty. Not 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 that yeah. I don't like dark because I like dark just fine. But it's, I mean, it's going to be some teen drama. Yeah, exactly. This the, and New Warriors sounds like it might be more, you know, more adventure and possibly a lighter tone. So it seems like that would <laughs> that would be a good fit for their audience and a good contrast for Cloak and Dagger. So right. And then um, finally, uh, the uh, we had a, a a neat little sort of mini trailer promo thing drop for Defenders um, that was basically the four of them in an elevator, um, and it's not very long. Eventually, Jessica mm-hmm. realizes there's a camera, and of course, takes out the camera because she's smart like that. Um, but yep. if you look in the upper left hand corner, uh, there's a series of numbers. And I saw something online where somebody said they didn't want to give it away, but they said something like, "Pay attention to the numbers in the in the upper corner." And I thought that looks like what what web addresses used to look like, like 25 years mm-hmm. ago, like before before the web was the way it is now. And it was tell just, us of the pre times. Yes, the, yes, before the, dark... the internet messenger and the and the Facebook. Indeed, indeed, back in ye olden days of Telnet and and. Uh, and bulletin boards, but um, but yeah, I, I looked at that and I'm like, I bet that's a web address, and I typed it in, and it takes you to a cool Easter egg site for the New York Bulletin, which is the paper that Karen works for. Yes. And there were a whole bunch of, of cool things in there. They've got, like, an interview with the Meachams. They've got um, a series of mm-hmm. covers of, of the Bulletin that uh, refer to all the different uh, Defenders series, you know, uh, Iron Fist and, and, and uh, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and everything. Um, they also have a really cool ad for Colleen Wing's uh, dojo which uh, is awesome. And, oh, man, can I just say how much I wanted Daughters of the Dragon series? That would be so awesome. That would be neat. I mean, Colleen was the coolest character in, in Iron Fist by far yeah. to me. And uh, and Misty, there, there were an awful lot of really cool characters in, in Luke Cage, but Misty was, was super cool. So. And, you know, the interesting thing in the comics is that Danny's relationship isn't with Colleen, it's with Misty. Right. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, although, man, I don't know what I don't know what anyone would see seeing him personally right now. But um, I just can't see a grown ass woman like like Misty Knight being with that crazy little man child. But <laughs> but I guess we'll see how it goes in the future. All right, so uh, that is all we've got for news for the time being. Uh, We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we will be talking about the quarter season finale of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is called Self-Control. Previously on Podcasserole. Glomer is one of the most underrated cartoon characters of all time. Some call Glomer the Jar Jar of the PBU, you know. <laughs> I haven't stepped foot inside of a subway since, really. And neither is Jared. <laughs> it's true. You're over at my home every every week. Is there a meth lab here? Not a big one. I choose him, the one called Kirk. <laughs> I'm freaking James D. Kirk. <laughs> Find out more about Podcast Roll now on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. And don't forget AdamandJP.com and the ESO Network. 
welcome back, Marvel Universe. And now we are going to be talking about an out. I'm 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 going ahead and, and spilling it right away. I think this is one one of the best, if not the best, episodes that this series has had. Um, this one would just went so dark. It went it did. so dark. <laughs> it it went super dark, and it went it went super emotional. And can we just talk about that Fitzsimmons scene? Because oh my god. That was just oh, gut-wrenching. I mean, she is going to need some serious therapy after the season is over. Oh my god, she is. She is. I am too. I mean, because it was... We're it, not okay. We're not okay. Exactly. And I thought it was pretty amazing because this was actually the uh, the directorial debut of Jed Whedon. Um, obviously he's, you know, done, done producing and he's done writing and show running, but, um, he, the only things that he had directed before that he has for credits are, uh, uh, do you want to date my avatar, which was the guild, uh, music video with Felicia Day. And, uh, he was the quote unquote director for a behind the scenes musical, um, of, uh, behind the scenes of, uh, Dr. Horrible, which mm -hmm. sounds like it was fun, but not really, uh, not really up to the, the same level of, uh, as, as directing a full episode. Um, of course that was also, you know, Josco and Jed, here's a job for you. Pretty much, pretty much. I mean, they were, you know, th those those were both not, you know, not exactly super challenging things and, and not like he had to, you know, mm -hmm. uh, be going up against other people. And I thought the directing on this was outstanding. Um, it was so good. It was so good. It was. I mean, one of the things that I have been ranting about a lot uh, online has been um, the fight choreography or or mm -hmm. lack thereof in Iron Fist. Um, and I have just, I, I just went back today and rewatched this and there's a really good fight scene between Daisy and uh, the Mace bot, um, the LMD version of Mace. And it is so well done and so well shot. Um, because that's the other thing is that even if you've got great fight choreography, if the directing isn't there if they don't know how to show it effectively it's still not going to look good um and this was this was just fantastic but but to jump back to the the Fitzsimmons scene um I, I think it is it is a mark of of an exceptionally good episode where the more times you go back to watch it the more little things that you see and there were just so many great things like right before they walk into the lab I didn't notice it the first couple of times that, that uh, I, uh, I watched it, but there's a little red light that goes off as they walk through an archway. And you, we later, mm -hmm. a few minutes later, we get to see that on a security camera, but they actually show the moment where they set off the LMD detec detector. Mm -hmm. um, and that scene was just, it was, it was so gut-wrenching on so many levels. And Ian DeCastiker is just... Mm -hmm. Oh my god, his ability to be like screaming, frightened, upset, vulnerable fits, and then just to turn on a dime. And, and become creepy, I'm gonna kill you, Fitz. Oh my god, just totally emotionless. 
And at one point she's stabbing him and he's screaming and he's screaming and then he just stops. And it's like, so God, this is terrible. This is just awful. Yeah, so, this, I mean, we, we, we need to stop treating Gemma Simmons as a punching bag on this show. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean, uh, you know, and and personally, and I know that many people uh, disagree with me on this, I do not think her, her acting is, is up to, to his level either. And it seems like um, we're, we're not talking about it today, but uh, since, since because of the sequence of this, John and I have already seen the, the following one, uh, you know, she has a very central part in the following one. And uh, I'm just not. Their relationship it. is just, it's, it's going to be wrecked after this season. I mean, it has to be, uh, and you know that that's a Whedon thing of we just can't let people be happy. Well, yeah, not not to mention the fact that uh, they, you know, the last couple of episodes we've been getting, you know, a very strong Philinda vibe here. Um, you know, with in this episode to the to the point of him saying, you know, in the framework we can be together, and you know, a, a number of lines that are you know very very you know. It's it's not it's not subtext anymore. It's it's them. We haven't seen them, you know, uh, making out or anything yet. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and in fact, he says, uh, you know, in the in the framework, we can be together, and we haven't seen that. But we'll we'll see what comes. We'll see what happens. Um, another really great scene I thought was um, uh, earlier on when. Mm-hmm. Um, when May is is like on the balcony and she's looking at snow and she has this short speech about, uh, you know, I, I remember the first time that I saw snow and I went skating on my neighbor's pond and all this. But, mm-hmm. you know, but that wasn't Yeah, me. but those aren't my memories. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Just so well written, so well directed. And then when Phil comes in and says, yeah, my hand used to hurt, but it doesn't anymore. And just the the look of recognition on her face when she puts the the pieces together with that, it's just a, a fantastic scene between those actors. I just loved that. My uh, my favorite scene is actually it's also between them, but it's the one where um, you know he's like LMD Coulson's going to stop everybody from getting away. Right. Yes. And then he goes into he goes into the chamber, and then there's May sitting on the bomb, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, Radcliffe, you may have programmed her too well because uh-huh. she's going to do exactly what real May would do. Right, and and she's and if she thought that if she didn't realize that it was uh, it was a Phil LMD that mm. didn't have what made Phil Phil, you know, then then she might have not blown him up. But once she realized mm-hmm. this this isn't the real Coulson. And yeah. and he doesn't have the you know the compassion and you know everything that made him who he was. Then she's like, "Screw it, I'm gonna blow you up." <laughs> yep, we're done here. Boom. Yep. Um, Daisy also had some very cool moments in this episode. Um, she had, uh, yeah. as I said, there was there was the fight with Mace and uh, uh, her. I mean, there were there were a bunch. What? Do you have any that, that you particularly liked? 
Um, I did especially love um, two well two moments really one when she hit amongst her uh, her L and D oh clones, yes. and uh, and not necessarily because we got to see her in her uh, sports bra, but <laughs> because um, you know she does it. So that's that's the sort of thing where even one slightest tick or difference uh-huh. or blinking your eyes, you know, that'll tip off the the bad guy that you're not real, and mm-hmm. she just pulls it off perfectly and also when um she has to convince simmons that she's real Mm -hmm. because simmons now has gone batshit crazy yes uh you know like i can't trust anybody everybody's an omd understandably so but you know yeah yeah, and daisy's able to kind of prove it to her by using her powers Mm -hmm. and calming her down and uh saying okay this is what's going on. This is what we have to do now. So Daisy really takes charge there. Mm-hmm. That that's absolutely that's that is a great scene between her and Simmons. And although I will say the first time that that I saw it, I didn't pick up on the fact that because there wasn't that much of a, a sound or or an effect when she quakes Simmons to be mm-hmm. able to tell if it's you know if she has a a metal structure or if she's a real person. Um, yeah. I just I just saw them hug. And then they were like, yay, everything's okay. And I missed it the first time. But when I went back and, and watched it again, I was like, oh, okay. That's what's going on there. But, uh, but yeah, they, they have, uh, they, they have some, some really good scenes together. And I love the fact that this is, uh, this is a show that it's, it's usually good on, the, on this uh, in this mm-hmm. regard, but it was super good this time in terms of everybody being smart. There, there was no one being dumb, you know, like, like I, the, the example I had before about, um, May talking with Colson yeah. and, and, you know, where the writer well, if does if anybody, if anybody's dumb in this, it's LMD Colson for right. thinking that, you know, LMD May is just going to go along with the plan. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, um, but you know, they don't, the, the, um, Whedon doesn't spell it out for us. He doesn't spell it out for May. May figures it out. We figure it out at the same time. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. And one of the things that struck me, uh, right from the beginning watching this, there's a, a point where, um, where they, they realize, um, the LMDs realize that Gemma and, and Daisy are, uh, you know, trying to, mm-hmm. trying to sabotage them. And uh, yeah. uh, Mace says, let's kill the lights because we can see in the dark better than they can. And I'm like, oh, my God, that is so smart, you know, because oh, that's, yeah. that's a great example of, you know, something that that they're going to have a huge advantage. And I'm like, yes, bad guys being smart. That's awesome. And uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're just just mm-hmm. just everything about that. It was it was a great um a great example of, you know, like a horror movie almost, right? Because there, there are bad guys, you don't know who to trust. And, um, and you, you have to, you know, sneak your way through this building. It was, it was, I don't know. I'm, I'm just effusing, but I loved this episode. You know, it it was really, really, really good. And it was definitely uh, like a, a strong episode to leave off with for a few weeks. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because not only is it so good, but it also 
leaves you wondering, oh my God, what's happening? And, you know, of course, the last scene when Daisy wakes up Mm -hmm. and guess who's in bed? Exactly. Exactly. That was amazing. Um, the, the it gave the internet uh, weeks worth of of stuff to speculate about uh, who's in the car with Fitz, uh, which we now know, but we'll we'll talk yep. about in our next episode. Um, and I called it. That What's was... up with him? What, yeah. Oh, which what was it? You you were saying like I called it. I called it. What what was it you called? I didn't ask. What what I called was who Fitz was was with in in the framework. Okay. Yep. Um. Because, I mean, not like it's that hard to figure out, really, because yeah. either it was going to be somebody new or it was going to be Gemma. You know, it was probably not going to you know, it was probably not going to be Gemma because we see her gravestone. Uh, probably not Daisy, probably not May. And there's only one other female character in the main cast. So, yes, but uh, at least at the moment, this is true. This is true. Um, but and that that scene of May where we're. Uh, they pull back and she's in the the Triskillian, but with uh, with the Hydra logo. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you watch the series Fringe that was on a few years ago? I'm aware of it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, I was a huge, huge, huge Fringe fan, and um, it was about, among other things, about like you know parallel realities, you know, multiple worlds or something. And uh, there's a moment at the end of the first season that is just absolutely chilling because basically she she uh, uh, goes to somebody's office and mm-hmm. it's obviously in some kind of big skyscraper and the camera pulls back and it's in the World Trade Center. Um and that's where you go, oh, this is obviously a parallel reality and not ours. But... Yeah, way to go, Denethor, for stealing a kid from another dimension. That didn't cause any problems at all. <laughs> wow, crossing the streams a lot. Yeah, like you, you, you kidnap one child and suddenly they want to go to war with us. And... Well, yeah, but uh, but anyway, just the composition of that shot was very similar to the way that they, yeah. they pulled back. And and you had the oh, my God moment of, of seeing the Hydra logo. So. Um, so, yeah, uh, anything anything else from this episode? Or did we uh... hit most of it? I think we hit it. I mean, this was a roller coaster ride of thrills. No, no lie. Yeah. Um. No. No great uh, surprise here. I. I definitely give this five out of five. I think. Uh, this and you know, turn, turn, turn has been one of my favorite ones. That was the the one right after Winter Soldier. But mm-hmm. um, this this just really hit on on everything. Everybody in the cast got to have some cool yeah. moments. We had some great fight scenes. We had some great gut wrenching drama, um, and it was it was beautifully done. So, five out of five. And for you me. know, just just like turn, 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 we have the who do you trust scene is like the main focus of the whole episode. Absolutely. And uh, I have to agree that, uh, a five out of five because I don't think this episode had a weak point at all. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the only other the only other plot line other than what was going on there was we had uh, we had one scene between Radcliffe and Ada but I thought that was a great scene too because again that was something where um where you know she says I have this conflict in my programming 
And as soon as she said that, I was like, oh no, I see where this is going. Yep, she's going to kill him. Yep. And even Radcliffe kind of sees where it's going right before she does it. Yep, yep. Again, there's there's that, that, you know classic thing in in horror but just in in drama in general of you know treat the audience like they're they're smart and allow them to figure out what's going on and you know when when the audience and the character figure something out around the same time and it's like horrifying it's it makes it that much more emotionally powerful for you Mm -hmm. because you're feeling the same thing the character is feeling of of feeling that that sudden but inevitable betrayal ah yes curses indeed all right cool well um we are going to be uh we're on our every other week schedule now um our next episode is going to be covering the uh first episode after we get back from break what if and the one that comes after that and uh we will be coming out uh, every other week between now and the end of the shield season. So thank you very much and we will talk to you in two weeks. You've been listening to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast that explores the many worlds of all things geek. Please write us at esopodcast at gmail.com or call us at 404-963-9057. And if we find what you say interesting, we'll put it up on the air. If you've enjoyed our show, please rate us or leave feedback for us up on iTunes. And while you're there, subscribe to our show or any of the ESO Network podcasts. We can also be found up on Stitcher Radio or wherever fine podcasts are found. ESO is also available up on most social media sites like Facebook, Twitter, and so many more. The show is brought to you by the fine folks at the ESOAmazon.com e-store, where right from our website you can find all kind of geeky goodness. And if you get something up there, you also help support the station. ESO also has a Zazzle store to buy cool ESO merchandise and such. Show your ESO love with something from Zazzle. To learn more about ESO, our website is esopodcast.com. The show is produced by Calico Productions. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you here next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace.